The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 15 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Bonjour, hello, and strastvoitie. Thanks for listening in to this week's episode of How to Chat. We are working our way through the summer. In fact, I can't believe we are already more than halfway through this season. Summer teaching and festivals are in full swing, and all of my colleagues are fulfilled but exhausted with their busy working schedules, teaching around the country, and just helping pass on our art form. As usual, I'm passing on my art form in New York City and a couple other places. Um, so I just finished up my schedule so far for the summer with all of my advanced intermediate ballet classes. But if you want to take advanced beginner ballet with me at Broadway Dance Center, 6 p.m. on Fridays, uh, Fridays, Fridays, and then on Sundays, basic ballet at 6 p.m. also at Broadway Dance Center. I'm also teaching intermediate contemporary for one more week at Steps on Broadway at 11.30 a.m. on Fridays and Advanced Intermediate Contemporary at the same place <laughs> on Sundays at 3.30 p.m. So if you want to join me in New York for classes, you can do that there. I'm also doing a choreographic residency with Nickerson Rossi Dance in Westchester, Pennsylvania from the 7th to the 11th of August where I'll be teaching ballet and contemporary classes and then choreographing a work on those who are a part of the program. And then... On the 29th and 30th of August, I will be running ballet and contemporary master classes down in Houston, Texas at Uptown Dance Center while I'm choreographing with their uh, company, their professional company, Uptown Dance Company. So you got a couple options around the country if you want to take a class with me. Alrighty, people. Wow, that was really easy to do this week. <laughs> Alright, I had the lucky chance to be given a ticket to see the Lincoln Center Festival and a Broadway show this past weekend. The Lincoln Center Festival featured a historic production of George Balanchine's three-act plotless ballet, Jewels, which features colors, costuming, choreography, and scenery inspired by emeralds, rubies, and diamonds. This ballet has been performed all over the world, but has never been performed like this. I've performed this ballet before, and I really, really love it. <laughs> But this was definitely a very unique occasion. While not known to be completely true, many Balanchine aficionados say that Emeralds was inspired by the French-trained Violette Verdi, Rubies was inspired by Balanchine's most American dancers, and Diamonds was inspired by the Russian traditions that Balanchine had come from. So, for the 50th anniversary of the creation of this iconic work, the Lincoln Center Festival brought the Paris Opera Ballet to perform Emeralds, New York City Ballet to perform Rubies, and the Russian Bolshoi Ballet to perform Diamonds. I think on other nights that uh, the Bolshoi had switched and did Rubies and New York City Ballet did Diamonds, but the night that I saw, opening night, was that. 
So, since I did get to go see opening night, let me tell you that it just felt like an evening of dance that would go down in the record books, and that it would probably be talked about for generations to come. Um, kind of like when you see photographs from old festivals that are black and white back in the day, and I feel like this is going to be one of those occasions. Two nights after I saw Jules at Lincoln Center, a friend visited town and got us tickets to see a very different type of theater experience. Combining one of our great American pastimes, Broadway, and seeing the adaptation of one of my favorite movies and books on Earth, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I found myself in the theater quite a bit this weekend. Prior to attending the Broadway production, my friend and I had a lot of back and forth and outfit changing because he felt it was inappropriate to wear shorts to the theater, even though it was sweltering above 90 degrees. Talking about what was appropriate or not, and finally deciding to wear pants instead of shorts, this got me thinking that I've discussed a lot about class and rehearsal etiquette on here, but not really appropriate dress and etiquette in the theater. So, I figured this week I'd go ahead and offer appropriate dress and behaviors for everything from ballet to Broadway for all of you lovely listeners out there. Alright, so, if, you have, if you've ever had any of these questions, here, here I am to answer them, and if you uh, don't get some of your questions answered, as you know, you can always reach out to me on my website contact page. Alright, so let's get this going. First off, what to wear when you're attending a performance. Attending a performance feels like a special occasion because it is. <laughs> Would you show up to a holiday at church, synagogue, or any sort of temple wearing sweatpants? Probably not. So let's discuss what is appropriate to wear to a show. Alright, I kind of broke this one down a little bit. So if you're going to go to an opera house, typically where you'd see a ballet, or if you're going to go see the opera, which also has dance in it, usually, um, in a certain age and time, people went to the ballet to show off their finest wares. Elegant gowns, extravagant jewelry, and tuxes were the norm. As time has passed and the ballet has been trying to open the minds of younger and less well-off audiences, these strictly abided by codes have relaxed a bit, which is probably a good thing, making it more accessible. While you may see patrons attending the ballet in normal jeans, t-shirts, or shorts, these aren't really appropriate dress to attend a production at an opera house. Generally, casual cocktail attire to black tie event attire is appropriate. Essentially, slacks for men or women, blouses with those slacks or skirts or dresses for ladies, and a shirt with a collar or a sweater would be really nice for men to wear. Um, you don't have to go like tux or like suit and tie, but um, just something that looks a little bit classier than a t-shirt with your favorite band on it. <laughs> Do know that if it is opening night, a gala event, or if you're sitting in the orchestra of the first ring of the opera house, you may feel especially out of place, as most of these people could afford the higher price tickets of in that these seats are located in, and they're likely following the older standards of dress for an opera house. So you don't necessarily have to dress that way, but just if you want to feel a little bit more comfortable... Um, you might want to dress a little, a little nicer, um, or just, you know, you do you. <laughs> Alright, so for a smaller theater, and by a smaller theater I'm saying maybe like a university theater that has touring productions, or private venue, kind of like the Joyce in New York City where, uh, 
smaller or regional or more less less established companies might be presenting their work. Um, smaller theaters tend to have cheaper tickets and also a wider range of audience members. You can get the diehard dance fans who go to every production from the most uh, well-known classical ballets to the most downtown modern works to university students who live on the university premises and saw an ad and wanted to check it out, or even those who are just trying out viewing dance for the first or second or third time. You have a wider range of patrons in attendance. For this reason, you are going to see a greater variety of dress. Jeans without holes are now acceptable, though I'd still generally avoid shorts and normal t-shirts. Again, those ones with like the band names on it or with a witty saying on it. I love a good witty tee. I used to be known in rehearsals for my witty tees. I think I owned like 60 of them. <laughs> but it's not necessarily appropriate when you're teaching kids. Uh, so I don't really wear them as much anymore. But not to get sidetracked. Uh, you want to avoid those normal t-shirts uh, and shorts. Though you may still see a very few people wearing them. Alright, so now Broadway. Broadway is a bit of a different beast when it comes to dress. Broadway, while amazing and a blast, draws audiences from all walks of life. You can have anything from young kids to older adults, um, city-goers, country-goers, suburbanites, all those things and everybody in between. For this reason, patrons at Broadway shows come in everything from suits to shorts. I just saw Charlie and the Chocolate Factory last weekend on Broadway, like I said, and there were men in suits and ladies in cocktail dresses, and there were dads in shorts and little girls in princess costumes and everything in between. Granted, this particular show is very appropriate for kids. It really isn't uncommon to see people wearing the whole range of clothing possibilities. Really, here, I'd still suggest avoiding pants with holes or normal t-shirts, but really, for most shows, anything goes. Um, and it might also even depend on which show it is. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I mean, it's all ages. If you went to something that, uh, I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but say that it was a, a little bit more sophisticated in the story and whatnot, you might see an audience that uh, is dressed a little bit differently. So those are my suggestions of what to wear. Again, it's just a guideline. It's not a perfect you must <laughs> list. Um, but just to give you an idea of what people are doing when they're going out and attending shows, I thought that that would be helpful to you. All right, next up, when to arrive and what to do if you arrive late. Um, I always suggest that you arrive 15 to 30 minutes prior to a production. 30 minutes if you have tickets at will call and 15 minutes if you already have your tickets in hand or on your phone. Most of us go to shows as entertainment and for enjoyment, and a lot for me is for relaxation, although I can also do it for work, for <laughs> inspiration and for study. But a lot of people just do it for relaxation, to sort of, you know, get away from their own stress and problems and issues and to just get lost in the art of dance or theater or opera or whatever it is. I can tell you from my experience going to see Jules last week, after I taught in Connecticut, ran to a friend's apartment to change, and sat in my seat as the house lights went down, there is nothing more stressful than cutting it close to see a show. Keep in mind that there may be traffic to see a show. You may want to pee before you sit down for up to an hour. <laughs> Maybe you want to pre-order those intermission glasses of champagne so you don't have to wait in line. And most importantly for me, Maybe you want to sit in your seat for a few moments and read the program notes to ensure you aren't completely lost on what is happening on stage, or if you're familiar with the people uh, that are dancing in the organization to see who's dancing and what. It really is just worth it to get there a little early. 
Now, if you are late, you may find that you actually have to watch the first scene or the entire first act on a tiny TV screen. And in my opinion, there's nothing worse than paying $20 to $200 to sit on the couch and watch dance on a tiny TV screen. So there really is, I think, great motivation to arrive early. Um, It's kind of like certain events. If you're arriving on time, you're already late. I think that's like people say that about work. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just try to get there a little early. All right, so once you're in the theater, changing seats, is that okay? So you couldn't afford anything but nosebleed seats or standing room or the tallest man on earth decided to sit directly in front of you and the seating isn't laid out very well. Is it appropriate to move around and find better seats? It really depends on the situation. At New York City Ballet, I've watched people rush to new empty seats as the lights go down for the first act. I mean, like, running as fast as they can. I don't think this is inappropriate, but you want to make sure that there are other seats in that area in the event that the guests with those seats actually arrive with the late crowd. If they let them in after the first scene, uh, you're going to have to be a great distraction and run back to your seat. Also, you really shouldn't be shuffling once the music has started or the curtain has gone up. In between acts, it is also common for people to change balcony levels or fit into seats around them that went unfilled during that previous act. This is kind of an, an un, kind of an unspoken okay, but again, keep in mind that sometimes people do arrive after the first act. I'll actually talk about this a little bit later. Um, or if you get caught by an usher, maybe going from a balcony down to the orchestra level, you may be asked to go back to your original seat. It's kind of risk versus reward. Um, so it's, that's what happens. Uh, if you're uncomfortable or nervous, I say just stay where you are and then you can enjoy the show without the stress of it. I stress about everything. So if you don't want to stress about it, just don't do it. All right. When to use the bathroom. This should be common sense, but as you know, I am here to help you if the, if this is just something that's crossed your mind. Try not to use the bathroom until an intermission. <laughs> if it's an emergency and you absolutely must, nobody is going to stop you. I mean, we've all been there. And maybe not the theater, but somewhere. <laughs> but if you are in the middle of a row, you will be disrupting everybody else's viewing experience. If you are one or if you are one who often needs to use the bathroom after a short period of time, say that every 20 to 30 minutes you have to use the bathroom. I mean, some people have their body just goes like that. I, I suggest that you purchase aisle, aisle tickets. So make sure your seat's like right on the aisle. That way you can just get up and quickly exit. Um, and if you can't wait, do wait until a big moment happens and quickly exit while people are clapping. Um, not in the middle of a scene. Okay. All right. This one is a good one. I'm glad that we're talking about this. This one's really, this is really important etiquette to, to discuss because this can be very disruptive to a show. What age can you bring kids and what do you do if your kid cries? Really, you shouldn't be bringing kids to the theater unless they can sit through half of a Disney movie. That's my assessment. <laughs> um, but yeah, they should be able to sit through half of a Disney movie without major issues, as long as they understand cues to remain quiet. I can't give an exact age here, but I think four to five is usually a good range. Of course, more and more companies are having children's matinees to resolve this problem, so if you do want to bring your kid and introduce them to the ballet young, which I appreciate, keep an eye out on company websites for those children matinees. If you have a kid who tends to cry, get scared, get too antsy, or 
you absolutely must attend that ballet with your toddler. Ask when you purchase or pick up your tickets if there's a kiss and cry room available in the theater. Okay, Again, that's called a kiss and cry room. I don't think a lot of people know that this thing exists. Most theaters have a secret room directly at the back of the orchestra that is sealed by a two-way mirror. Is that called a two-way mirror? One-way mirror. It's one where you can't you, you can't see the, the people behind the mirror, but the people can see through. Uh, this is where loud babies are often directed to be sent with their parents, uh, or where sometimes artistic staff or waiting family or exclusive patrons sit to keep distance from the audience. The room's soundproof, and you can still see the stage, but you're you're you have that plastic or whatever that material is that that the mirror is to keep it quiet. If you are concerned about the behavior of your child, you may be able to watch the entire production from the kiss and cry, avoiding the embarrassment of running up the aisle with your screaming kid during the quietest moment of the ballet. And let me tell you, I don't know what it is. Every time music gets quiet and there's a baby in the audience, the baby will cry. <laughs> Doesn't matter, Sugar Plum Fairy, if it's just a quiet scene. It all, I mean, I remember during Nutcracker at PNB, Pacific Northwest Ballet, a kid would cry almost every other day during the sugar plum berry fairy uh, variation so yeah ask about that kiss and cry it may not be available um but if it is it might be nice to know you have the option to go and sit there or if you need to exit that you don't lose your money and your viewing experience just because your kid is crying uncontrollably <laughs> so yeah just trying to be uh, as compassionate for our fellow audience members that are hoping to enjoy the show in, in the quiet of a theater. Okay, so next up, cell phones, sound, photo, video. No, no, and no. God, I can't understand this one. And I mean, like I said, I'm here to help, but if, if you're out with your cell phone and a theater, I just think that you're not being considerate of other people and you need to sit there and assess if you're being considerate of other people in other parts of your life, because it, there's no way you should have your cell phone out in the middle of a theater with live music, with dancers on stage, with singers, with people around you that are trying to enjoy that also paid money. No, no, and no. Put your cell phones away. All right? <laughs> Please, just turn your phones off or to, to vibrate the second the lights dim. There's no reason for you to use your phone while the show is happening. Sound obviously distracts audience members and performers alike, and aside from the obvious no-no of taking photos or videos for copyright purposes, there is nothing ruder to the people behind you who also paid for tickets to have their view obstructed while you hold your phone up in the air, or to have their, their show interrupted and their vision distracted by a glowing screen that's floating in the air so that you can remember 10 seconds of this experience and chances are the house manager is going to run out and make you delete it anyway. So it's worthless in the end. Okay. So please just be respectful. Don't be selfish. Be considerate. Selfish is bad. Consider it good. Put your cell phones away. Turn them off. Make sure they're on vibrate. I cannot urge you enough. Just give yourself a moment to just be disconnected. All right. Sorry. I got a little passionate about that one. But. I mean, come on, people. Put your cell phones away. All right. 
eating and drinking in the theater. This really depends on the venues. Most opera houses are not going to allow food or drink into the theaters due to the quality of materials used on the seating, floors, and walls. These theaters are often pieces of art within themselves. Smaller theaters and Broadway shows have become more lenient when it comes to allowing outside food and drink into the auditorium. Broadway shows go as far as e even putting wine in sippy cups, <laughs> and some theaters allow open cups as well. If you aren't sure about a theater's food and drink policy, ask before you buy that glass of wine during shorter intermissions, or if you've been waiting in line for a while. Oh, and also, I forgot, <laughs> crinkly candy and cough drops. Try to unwrap them beforehand. So if you have a cold, just open up a couple of noisy wrappers uh, before the show. And if it catches you off guard, if you do have to open one of those noisy wrappers, do it while people are applauding. Okay, don't do it in the middle of the ballet. <laughs> Alrighty. So talking about cough drops, blowing noses and coughing. Since I was just talking about that, uh, let's discuss these things, all right? Again, try to do these things during applause to avoid distraction. But for many, these things just can't be avoided. Performers are completely used to hearing people cough and sneeze while they're dancing. If worse comes to worse and it happens, don't be embarrassed. <laughs> if you're having a coughing fit, consider ex exiting during the applause, kind of like if you had a crying baby or if you had to use the bathroom. Um, the nose is a little bit different. Wait to blow your nose until the applause. If it's dripping, just hold a tissue there. But uh, have a loud honk in the middle of <laughs> a beautiful ballet is just not really appropriate. But this one has happened to the best of us. The, and I, can, I can't tell you how many times I've been watching a performance while I've had a cold and I've been fine and then all of a sudden the second that the curtain rises I feel that tickle in my throat and I can't get to go away and I'm trying to stifle it and then it, trying to stifle it makes me cough even more. So just don't stress too much on this one for we are only human. <laughs> These things we can't really control and people on stage understand that. Okay, we're almost at the end, kind of. <laughs> talking and talking about people in the production between acts. This one is another tricky one. It's not appropriate to talk loudly during performance, but it's not inappropriate to whisper about the show here and there to your date, friend, or colleague that is sitting next to you during the show. The problem here is that some people have no awareness of what an appropriate theater-sized voice is. Some people may think that they're quietly whispering that a dancer is incredible or that the other dancer looks like he has a large package. <laughs> yep, I know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> but all joking aside, you may think you're whispering, but instead you are talking loud enough to bother anybody within a five-seat radius. Awareness is key. Speaking of awareness, also, please try to keep in mind that performers love to have family and friends supporting them in the audience. If you feel like being extra critical about a dancer, save it for whispers or after you've left the theater. During the intermissions, you never know who, who, whose mom, dad, or lover you're sitting directly in front of, behind, or beside you. And I can tell you, not from personal experience, but from sitting around, I've seen these relatives speak up. When somebody's saying something unfriendly, I've seen some interesting interactions in theaters. <laughs> you don't want to be that person. Okay, so just be kind. Um, it's okay to be critical. That's one thing we love about dance, but uh, you, you like to assess it and judge it and come up with your own opinions. But yeah. Okay. This is the last one here. Uh, I felt like it was appropriate to discuss last as well. When is it appropriate to leave? All right. 
in the middle of a show, unless you have a bathroom emergency, are going to be immediately ill or have a screaming child, there really is no reason that you should be leaving a performance in the middle of, of the show. It is distracting, it is disruptive, and it is disrespectful. Even if you find something too offensive to watch, remember that art is often meant to challenge an audience to view the world with openness. That is why art is so important and special. Love it or hate it, stick it out, be open-minded, and perhaps it will offer you a new perspective or approach to understanding others that aren't like you. Alrighty, so really do try to avoid that. Plus, you don't see this because you're not on the stage, but depending on how the, the theater is set up, this doesn't usually happen in a opera houses because there are two sets of doors but in theaters and Broadway shows there's usually just one set of doors and if you open that door in the back the dancers are blinded by a piercing light if it's daylight outside um, and a milder light if it's if it's nighttime because of the lights in the, the lobby all right when is it appropriate to leave after an act so say that there are three acts and you want to leave after the first act or you want to leave after the second act and you, but you don't want to see the final pieces there have been a few occasions when I have left before show's over, but it's usually during an intermission. Like I said, don't leave in the middle of the show. These occasions have been that I really wanted to see one of the earlier pieces, but had a later commitment in the evening that I had to go to. I've also left because I was starving, <laughs> and the previous work before it wasn't engaging enough, and the show was going on for so long. I had come straight from rehearsal and at PNB, and got out of rehearsal at 7, the show was at 7.30, and it was 10 o'clock by that point, and I was starving, and there was still one more act. So, I left, because I needed sustenance. <laughs> the last reason I have left is because a work was so poorly put together, uh, or underperformed, that I couldn't imagine putting myself through the misery of continuing to watch. Yes, sometimes you go to a production and it's just not up to the quality or expectations of what you had. Um, and you go, okay, well, should I give them a chance and see if it gets better? Or should I just, is it not going to get any better? And should I just do something better with my time? This really is your prerogative as it is appropriate to leave at any point that isn't while you are sitting in the middle of a performance with the house lights down. All right, guys. Lastly, at the end of a show, we need to talk. <laughs> you need to stop exiting the theater the moment the curtain goes down before a cast has taken their bows. Not only is this rude and unappreciative, we artists can see your silhouettes rudely shuffling out of the theater trying to beat the rush instead of showing grace and offering your appreciation of the great effort that was just put before you. How would you feel if you just laid your entire physical and emotional self on a public stage and when you finished giving all of yourself, everybody walked out instead of letting you know that they appreciated that you shared yourself with them? Yeah, I think you'd feel bad too. So stop running out, please. Put your butt in the seat. Or even better, if you really liked it, stand in front of your seat, clap, and let out a, a whoop or a bravo if you really appreciated what you just watched in that standing ovation. I bet over time that instead of running out and feeling happy that you're in your car on the subway earlier than everybody else, that you'll actually find yourself happy and smiling when you see the dancers' reactions to your appreciation. So there we have it, your very own pod chat guide to audience etiquette from ballet to Broadway. There is a lot of comprehensive and helpful information in here that I feel will be very helpful for all audience members to hear. 
So please give this episode a share on your social media and let's educate all theater goers to be the best audience possible. And like I said, if there's something that you are curious about etiquette wise, please do feel free to reach out to me on my website contact page with your questions and perhaps I will answer them in a future episode. So with that said, I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pot to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out to me on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over five years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Corollis Feature My Choreography and Choreography Feature My Choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod to Chat. I hope you return next Friday to Talk Dance with Me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.